بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء المرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته سورة الأنبياء and سورة الحج الأنبياء literally means prophets and this is a surah that emphasizes the unity of the prophets by describing their message of tawheed and by also describing how they gave da'wah and how they worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in surah verse 25 وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ مِنْ رَسُولٍ إِلَّا نُوحِي إِلَيْهِ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا فَعْبُدُونَ And we sent not before you any messenger except that we revealed to him لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا فَعْبُدُونَ There is no deity except me, so worship me. The essential message of all the prophets was La ilaha illallah, monotheism. And this is what we find emphasized again in Surah Al-Isra when the Prophet ﷺ led all the prophets in prayer. The Surah goes through many stories of the prophets. Musa and Harun in verse 48, Ibrahim in verse 51 to 60. What's interesting about Ibrahim ﷺ when he is described? When he destroys the idols and of course places the axe in the hand of the biggest idol and the, uh, and the pagans return back from their festival seeing their gods of clay destroyed, they are outraged and they discuss with each other who possibly could have done this. And they say, They said, we heard a young man mention them who is called Ibrahim. What's the significance of this verse? There's few things we learn. Number one, when Ibrahim did this most bravest of actions, he was a young man, he was a fatah. This shows his courage, his trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how the Quran always speaks in a positive light about the youth. Whether we're looking at the people of the cave in Nahum Fitya or we're looking at those who believed from the people of Musa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described them also as youth. The second thing is, the verse interestingly says, يُقَالُ لَهُ Ibrahim. It is said to him, Ibrahim. Meaning he wasn't even particularly a well-known person. It's like them saying, well, there's somebody called Ibrahim, I think. So not only was he young, he wasn't particularly well-known. Yet he took this responsibility of da'wah and calling his people to monotheism, tawheed. And when he was thrown in the fire, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered the fire. قُلْنَا يَا نَارُ كُونِي بَرْدًا وَسَلَامًا عَلَىٰ إِبْرَاهِيمٍ Allah said, O fire, be coolness and safety upon Ibrahim alayhi salam. So it did not burn him, but even when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered it to be cool, not so cool that it would distress him in any way. In verse 71, we have the description of Lot. Verse 72, Ishaq and Yaqub. Verse 76, Nuh. Verse 78, Dawood and Sulaiman, and verse 83, Ayyub. There's a beautiful description of Ayyub السلام, who was tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His wealth and his business was taken away. His family, and he lost his children, and even his own health deteriorated greatly until he was uh, just a shadow of the man that he was physically. And the Quran describes his dua. وَأَيُّوبَ إِذْ نَادَى رَبَّهُ أَنِّي مَسَّنِيَ الضُّرُّ وَأَنْتَ أَرْحَمُ الرَّاهِمِينَ And mention ya, uh, Ayyub when he called to his Lord, Indeed, adversity has touched me, and you are the most merciful of the merciful. 
Subhanallah, we've spoken about this before, that the du'as of the prophets, they come in a particular form mostly. They come in the form of madh and thana, in the form of praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and humbling yourself and showing your vulnerability before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the actual request is implicit. You'll notice that Ayyub out of his manners does not actually say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a demand, cure me, make me better, return me to health. He's content with the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all he does is praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and show his own vulnerability and need before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the request is implicit. Just a few verses on, we find the exact same um, type of dua from Yunus alayhi salam. Uh, where he is in the belly of the whale and he says la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu min there is none worthy of worship except you glorified are you indeed i have oppressed myself the request to be removed from the belly of the whale is absent it is implicit he is praising allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is showing his own vulnerability and implied is the request to be saved from the terrible situation he is in in verse 85 ismail idris and dhulkifl verse 88 yunus verse 89 zakaria and this importance of making dua is further emphasized in the surah in verse 60 وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ ادْعُونِي يَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ أَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ And your Lord says, call upon me and I will respond to you. Indeed, those who disdain from my worship will enter hell contemptible. Subhanallah, if you ask people and keep on asking them, they'll become annoyed with you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes angered when we stop asking him. He insists and orders us that we make dua to him and we ask him. But look closer at the verse. It starts off, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمُ دُعُونِي And your Lord has said, call upon me. And then the verse ends with, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي Those who disdain my worship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala interchanged dua with worship. Because dua invoking, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the essence of worship. It's where you're recognizing the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and He is the source of all good and protection from all harm. And you're recognizing your own vulnerability and need. That's the essence of worship. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, Ad-du'a huwa al-ibadah. Du'a is the essence of worship. And you'll find with all the du'as of the prophets, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds in this surah, he uses the letter fa. Fa means immediate response. In verse 91, there's the description of Musa and Isa, uh, uh, Maryam and Isa alayhi salam. And then in verse uh, 92, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reiterates this message of unity of the prophets. Inna hadihi ummatukum ummata wahidatan wa ana rabbukum. Indeed, this, your religion, is one religion, and I am your Lord, so worship me. And the surah concludes with saying, And we have not sent you, meaning the Prophet Muhammad except as a mercy to the world. The Prophet show, uh, has this unique status of being the final prophet and messenger to the whole of mankind. 
all of the previous prophets were prophets and messengers only to their people except the Prophet who is a messenger to the whole of mankind. Despite his high and lofty status, he shows the humility of wanting to learn from the previous prophets and the messengers despite the fact he has a greater status than them. Surah Al-Hajj is a Makki Surah and it's the only Surah with two Sajda Tilawas, two prostrations for recitation. There's a beautiful synergy that the very first prostration of the Meccan phase was an order to the Prophet ﷺ only in Surah Al-Alaq and the very last prostration of the Meccan phase is an order to all the believers to make prostration together. How the da'wah has flourished. The name is Surah Al-Hajj and the Surah has descriptions of Hajj. وَإِذْ بَوَّتْنَا لِإِبْرَاهِيمَ مَكَانَ الْبَيْتِ أَلَّا تُشْرِكْ بِي شَيْئًا وَطَهِّرْ بَيْتِيَ لِلطَّائِفِينَ وَالْقَائِمِينَ وَالرُّكَّعِ السُّجُودِ and when we designated for Ibrahim the site of the house saying, do not associate anything with me and purify my house for those who perform tawaf and those who stand in prayer and those who bow and prostrate. And proclaim to the people the hajj. They will come to you on foot and on every lean camel. They will come from every distant pass. There are many verses describing the hajj itself. What's interesting is that when the actual surah begins, Ya rabbakum inna O mankind, fear your Lord. Indeed, the convulsion of the final hour is a terrible thing. The actual surah begins with a description of the Day of Judgment. There are many similar similarities between the rituals of Hajj and the reality of the Day of Judgment. On the Day of Judgment, all social privileges will be taken away and you will be resurrected barefoot, naked. In Hajj, you are wearing no clothes or adornments that can reveal your social status. Just two simple white garments, the uniform of death, what you will be buried in. On the Day of Judgment, you will be assembled in large groups with just a small space of ground where you stand. In Hajj, you are assembled in large groups moving from one place to another. On the Day of Judgment, there will be no rest as you go from one stage to the next. Exactly in Hajj, no rest moving from Arafah to Muzdalifah to Mina. On the Day of Judgment, you will be standing pleading to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the sun draws closer to, until it's a mile away from your head. On Hajj, you stand pleading with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of Arafah until the sun sets. On the day of judgment, you'll be waiting, worrying 50,000 years for the judgment to begin. The Hajj is, of course, full of periods of waiting and anxiety. On the day of judgment, you'll be standing in a humble and submissive, fearful state, waiting for the judgment to begin. In Hajj, you carry yourself in a humble and submissive way. People will rise from the graves covered in dust on the day of judgment. The, uh, the person on Hajj is completely disheveled, covered in dust. There are a number of similarities between the pilgrimage and the Day of Judgment. And the Day of Judgment is what is the opening verses of this great surah. Muhammad wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.